Chapter 5 The Most Important Activity in God's Dwelling Place Since we are called to be God's dwelling place, it is imperative that we discover from the Bible what the most important activity is in His dwelling place. And the Old Testament shadows give us the answer. In fact, we will see that this activity is such a critical issue that God emphasizes it throughout the Bible, including in the New Testament, and distinctly reveals that it will determine if a person is under blessing or judgment. All true believers want to be part of the true church, which is God's house or dwelling place. Unfortunately, there are many differences of opinions among Christians about what the qualifications are to be a part of the true church. Only God's opinion matters, so it is vital that our opinion aligns with His, because man's opinions will lead to sorrow and failure. This book was not written to convince people to change their denomination or church affiliation. It was not written to claim that the author's church is the only true church. Rather, it was written to reveal to any lover of the Lord Jesus how a born-again Christian can be so pleasing to the Lord that he or she becomes his permanent dwelling place. The Bible leaves no doubt about what the path is that leads us to that intimacy with God. He gives us the secret from his first dwelling place. As we have seen, the tabernacle of Moses was the first place where God literally dwelled between the cherubims over the Ark of the Covenant. He reveals through that tabernacle what is absolutely essential for us to become His abiding place. His other two Old Testament dwelling places, the tabernacle of David and the temple of Solomon, also confirm what is essential. The history begins in Exodus 25. In the first nine verses, God tells Moses that he wants to dwell with Israel, but that they need to offer certain things that will be used to construct his dwelling place in accordance to his precise pattern. Then, in Exodus 25.10, he introduced the first piece of furniture in his house. It was by far the most important piece. It was the ark over which he would literally dwell. As we have also seen, the ark is symbolic of the human heart, and he wants to dwell in our hearts. Then, in Exodus 25.10 through Exodus 27.21, God gives Moses the detailed pattern for the tabernacle. Of course, his house needs priests or leaders as well. So, Exodus 28 reveals the garments of the priests and Exodus 29 explains how the priests had to be consecrated. But then, as soon as the priests were consecrated, he reveals what their most important activity was to be every morning and every evening. It was their main ministry and purpose in his house. We, too, are called to be priests unto God. Revelation 1.6, 21.6 Through the earthly, natural priests, the Lord has revealed to us the secrets to becoming heavenly, spiritual priests who delight the Lord's heart. We know this is the case because the tabernacle of Moses was a shadow of his heavenly and eternal dwelling place, as Hebrews 8, 1-5 clearly explains. Some may ask, how can we be the Lord's tabernacle and also the priests within that tabernacle?
the Apostle Peter gives us the answer. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.5 Peter saw no conflict between being the Lord's house and, at the same time, the priests in that house. To have faith, we do not need to understand every detail of God's truth in any given area. As we have seen, the tabernacle is our body in which the Lord lives. 2 Peter 1, 13 and 14. He abides in our hearts. However, within our body, in addition to the heart, there are other important parts that also represent certain aspects in our spiritual lives. The most important aspect of our spiritual lives is what we, as individuals, do within our tabernacle as priests unto God. The Old Testament priests offered natural sacrifices, but we offer spiritual sacrifices, as the Apostle Peter tells us. The continual sacrifice that the priests offered. What did God command the priests to do within the tabernacle? We know the answer from the Bible and also from Jewish history. The first thing the priests did when they entered the tabernacle each morning after washing at the laver, and the last thing they did each afternoon before leaving the tabernacle, is explained in Exodus 29, 38-46. This passage is the first commandment that the Lord gave to His newly consecrated priests. Let's consider what He charged them to do continually. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. And with the one lamb a tenth deal of flour, mingled with the fourth part of an hen of beaten oil, and the fourth part of an hen of wine for a drink offering. And the other lamb thou shalt offer at even, and shalt do thereto according to the meat offering of the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory and I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God." How important is the continual burnt offering? In the above passage, in the context of the continual burnt offering, the Lord promises to meet with us, to speak to us, to sanctify us, and to sanctify His dwelling place by His glory. Every true believer would love to have all those incredible blessings. We can have them if we learn to offer the spiritual continual burnt offering that the Lord seeks from us. 
We want to discover in this book how to offer that sacrifice as New Testament believers. In Numbers 28 and 29, the Lord specifies many different sacrifices that the priests and the people were commanded to offer in their due season. Verse 2. In chapter 28, the first sacrifice on God's list was the continual burnt offering that was offered every morning and every evening. Verses 3 through 8. Next was a special offering for every Sabbath. Verses 9 and 10. Next came the offerings for the beginning of each month, verses 11 through 16. Then the offerings for each day of the seven days of Passover, verses 16 through 25. Then the offerings for the giving of the firstfruits, verses 26 through 31. Then in Numbers 29, on the day of the blowing of trumpets, special offerings were given, verses 1 through 6. Then, the offerings for the Day of Atonement, verses 7 through 11. Finally, the offerings for each of the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles, verses 12 through 38. Every time that we read these two chapters, one main message should catch our attention. After the many different offerings in their due season, the Lord reminds them that those offerings were to be given besides the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. In those two chapters, the Lord repeats this exhortation 14 times. Are 14 times not enough to give us the message of the extreme importance that he places on that continual burnt offering? He is telling us that regardless of what sacrifice we offer to him, it is vital that we do not fail to offer the continual burnt offering every morning and evening. Both the Old and New Testaments show us the incredible importance of the sacrifice in the dwelling place of God. Speaking of Israel's departure from God under King Ahaz, 2 Chronicles 29, 7 and 8 tells God's people, Also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. So severe judgment came on Israel because they closed the temple and did not offer the continual burnt offering the most important activity in God's house. This passage is certainly referring to the morning and evening sacrifice, because twice each day the lamps were lit and incense was burned precisely during the continual burnt offering. We will see more about this later. Remember that every detail, or jot and tittle, found in the rituals of the Law of Moses has a spiritual fulfillment in the lives of New Testament believers. Therefore, God's blessings and His judgments in our lives both hinge on the spiritual fulfillment of the continual burnt offering being found in His dwelling place, in our lives. One of the main purposes of this book is to see what the Bible shows us to be the spiritual fulfillment of the continual burnt offering in our lives. All of us want more of God's blessings and none of His judgments, 
so few things in life are as important as discovering and doing God's will in our lives regarding this issue. Is it possible that some of us are experiencing trouble and astonishment because we do not offer the continual burnt offering from our tabernacle? If you are one of those, then the biblical message found in this book will deliver you from many trials if you follow the Lord's counsel. As we saw in Exodus 29, in the context of the morning and evening sacrifice, the Lord promises to meet with us, to speak to us, to sanctify us, and to sanctify His dwelling place by His glory. We see many examples in the Bible where He fulfilled those promises when that sacrifice was being offered. In the case of Elijah on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, the Lord fulfilled all four of those promises. After the prophets of Baal had failed miserably to call down fire on their sacrifice, consider what happened at the time of the evening sacrifice. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. 1 Kings 18, 36-38 Later, in the days of Elisha, three kings were going to die of thirst in the wilderness, along with their armies and animals. Elisha prophesied that they should dig ditches in that barren land and that the Lord would send them water. The glory that fell on them also occurred at the time of the morning sacrifice, as God fulfilled His promises once again. We are told, The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom and the land was filled with water. 2 Kings 3.20, New International Version. The Lord promised to speak to His people in the place of the morning and evening sacrifice. He fulfilled that promise with Daniel while he was fasting and praying for God's mercy to be granted to Israel when they were still in their Babylonian captivity. Daniel realized that it was time for the nation to be restored, so he prayed and fasted. This is what God did. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Daniel 9, 21 and 22 New International Version. Through Gabriel, at the time of the evening sacrifice, God gave to Daniel one of the most important prophetic messages in all of the Bible. The story of Ezra and the Jews who returned from the Babylonian captivity also shows that they understood just how critical the morning and evening sacrifice is to having God's favor. Consider the first thing that they restored upon returning from Babylon. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, and his brethren the priests, and builded the altar of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings thereon, 
as it is written in the law of Moses. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. Ezra 3, 2 and 3. Many students of the Bible believe that the little horn found in Daniel 8, 9 through 11 is the Antichrist. Regardless of who he will be in the last days, we can be sure that he is an instrument of Satan. If the continual sacrifice is not essential in God's dwelling place, we should ask ourselves why then would that little horn concentrate his efforts in the removal of that sacrifice from God's sanctuary? Daniel 8.11 tells us, Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Obviously, Satan understands the importance of this sacrifice. He knows that God's dwelling place will be cast down if he succeeds in removing the daily sacrifice. Spiritually speaking, this is true for each of us who long to be God's dwelling place. Some questions of eternal weight should be asked here. Is it possible that Satan has already succeeded in removing the continual sacrifice from God's temple, the church? How much teaching and emphasis are there in the church today about this issue? One further question basically answers these first two questions. How many Christians are there today who are offering the continual sacrifice in accordance to God's ways and instructions? We will get the answers to these questions in later chapters. Actually, in the Hebrew, daily sacrifice does not even appear. The American Standard Version translates this portion correctly as the continual sacrifice. When there are words in italics in the English versions of the Bible, it means that the word in italics is not in the original text, but it is usually implied by the text. In this case, the only Hebrew word in this text is continual. It is the same word that appears in Exodus 29:42, where the Lord tells the priests, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. In other words, the translators recognized what Daniel was referring to, the continual burnt offering every morning and evening. This is why the King James Version translates it as the daily sacrifice. Although this is not a literal translation, it definitely gives the right idea. In light of all these events in Bible history, how can we ignore the enormous importance that the morning and evening sacrifice has in God's plan for each of us? Satan's desire is to remove the morning and evening sacrifice from God's sanctuary, from his dwelling place. As implied above, we will see that Satan has already succeeded in doing this in the case of most believers. And one of the main reasons God's people, his church, fail in this is not so much because they willfully refuse to obey the Lord in it, rather it is because pastors, teachers, and leaders have not even made his church aware of this essential truth or of its importance to the Lord. Consider this pointed declaration of the Lord that certainly applies to this matter. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me, 
Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Hosea 4.6, New King James Version For this sacrifice to be accepted by God, we must offer the spiritual fulfillment of the sacrifice in God's way and not in our way. We will see in the coming chapters what God's way is. May He give us grace to accept His way so that we may begin to experience all the wonderful blessings associated with this extremely important sacrifice. The lack of this sacrifice in the spiritual tabernacle of most Christians is one of the main reasons that most Christians are not blessed to the degree that God Himself has ordained for them. In many cases, Christians are under God's hand of discipline instead of His hand of blessing, and they do not even know why. The purpose of this book is to set us free from ignorance regarding God's way into blessing. One more incredible place this sacrifice is found. The morning and evening sacrifice is found in quite a few other places in the Bible, but we want to see just one more that should seal for us the importance that God places on this sacrifice. Chronologically, it was the very first event in the New Testament. In Luke 1, 5-25, Zacharias, a very old man whose very old wife was barren, was burning incense in the holy place of the temple. As I mentioned earlier in this chapter, incense was a vital part of the morning and evening continual burnt offering. We will see this later. It was at that moment that the angel Gabriel appeared unto him in much the same way that he appeared unto Daniel when that sacrifice was being offered. God spoke to Zacharias through Gabriel, once again fulfilling his promise to speak to his people in the place of the continual burnt offering. And the Lord also sanctified that place with his glory in an awesome way, because, as a result of God's visitation to Zacharias, his wife conceived and gave birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. Is this coincidental, or was it rather a divine statement that emphasizes the importance of this sacrifice for New Testament believers also? Far from being a coincidence, we will see in later chapters David's connection to this sacrifice. The Bible reveals that David's faithfulness in offering this essential sacrifice in a spiritual way was precisely the reason that God promised him that Messiah would come through him. Do you want your life to also be a revelation of the Messiah to the world? We will see that this is what God wants for all of our lives, but this sacrifice is essential for that to happen.